0: Hello, and welcome back to the V Podcast. This is your captain, Noah Blanchard speaking, and I am sailing solo this week as I discuss some of the best and worst films of 2023. We got a nice little lull right now, nothing too much going on on the TV front, and we've got about a week of quietness before July gets very, very hectic. We've got four huge releases that we are very, very excited about. Around these parts, but before we get to any of those, uh, which I will tease at the end of the podcast, I thought it'd be a good time to just look at where we're at for the year. A lot of this stuff is making its way to VOD, or has been there for a bit, maybe coming down in rental price. So I'm gonna run through everything I've seen this year, which just so happens to be just shy of uh, 28 movies, I believe. And so we'll we'll run through all of those. I'll try and be brief. Some of these we've uh, discussed across the uh, last several weeks of the pod, but. Some of them, you know, you may be hearing about for the first time. So, get your pen and paper ready, and uh, I, I can go ahead and tell you the first one. You can just you can just breeze right past this. 65. Uh, this was the Atom Driver Meets Dinosaurs vehicle from the writers of A Quiet Place, and it was about as cliched as the trailer would lead you to believe. Unfortunately, it could not even deliver on its very, very simple premise of Give me, give me some action, give me some dinosaurs, and give me Adam Driver. Uh, and it just, uh, it, it kind of tries to bring in some lone wolf and cub type narrative, uh, which has become quite trendy as of late, but it does abs- absolutely nothing revolutionary or brings nothing new to the table uh, and was kind of utterly forgettable. And its biggest crime, it was boring. I was bored, uh, which you should not be in a 90-minute movie. That's uh, not a good sign. Uh, this is also a gripe I had about my, but the next film on my list, *Cocaine Bear*, which I know worked for some people, and I don't begrudge you if it did, but uh, I another movie that I was just like, just deliver on your premise. Uh, the incredibly talented Elizabeth Banks is directing. She, of course, from the wet hot school of comedy, and uh, that I thought would be a perfect pairing for this very absurd uh, true story that, of, of course, was greatly embellished, but the movie oddly just never finds its tone to me uh just kind of a mess all around i wanted either way more absurdity or you know or play it straight and let the irony play out within there i I thought it was kind of a mess way too many characters uh some questionable cgi and uh yeah a really a really great opening sequence that Kind of is the, the peak of the movie. Uh, yeah, this one is available on Peacock. If you're a Peacock subscriber, that is the only real way that I would recommend it. I would not recommend dropping any of your hard-earned cash on this movie. Next up, Ein's Men, and I may be butchering that. I apologize if I am. This is the latest, uh, quote-unquote, elevated horror film from not the A24 side of the aisle, but the uh, the other guys, uh, Neon, uh, who, of course, released the Best Picture winner, Parasite, which was quite a big deal, and uh, they've been paired up with uh, Brandon Cronenberg for his recent releases. Uh, we'll talk about one of those a little further down the line. Anyways, uh, Ein's Men, aesthetically, I thought was going to be right up my alley, and it, uh, it has that uh, Wicker Man-esque aesthetic, very very Nicholas Rogue-adjacent, uh, but that really, unfortunately, is all it had going for it to me. Uh, it's quite a slow burn. I won't give away too much about the plot. There's not really much to give away. It's a, a remote island uh, where a woman is doing some research and uh, weird things begin to happen. Um, honestly, couldn't make heads or tails of it. I like a nice slow burn horror movie when... There is a payoff that I can kind of wrap my head around. Uh, this one never really got there for me. Again, aesthetically, uh, pretty pretty incredible to look at. And it's very much going for a particular style. It has post-sync sound, so everything you're hearing is all with a certain amount of intentionality. Um, this, I, I, I'm sure, was a practical concern of shooting uh, on a very windy island where you probably were not going to get a lot of, normal source sound so it's it's an aesthetic choice and everything and i would love to see something else from this filmmaker uh because i think they've they've really got something going but uh einsman just did not quite come together for me and the excuse me while i'm rambling the filmmaker's name is mark janik who uh also did a uh Another feature called Bait from a couple years ago, which I've heard good things about, and it was kind of a, uh, a test run for Einsman in a lot of ways. So, uh, yeah, that one, this one's uh, kind of a more at your at your own peril. Maybe, you, maybe you'd be excited for it, maybe you'll vibe with it in a different way than I did, but uh, it's available on Amazon Prime right now and all your other VOD services for a $6 rental. Maybe wait till it comes down, maybe save it for October when you're more in the mood, maybe be a little more forgiving towards it. Uh, speaking of horror movies that you could be a little more forgiving towards, maybe if you watch them in October, The Outwaters is my next film on my list. We, we haven't really gotten to the, uh, the good range yet, so I'll let you know when that happens. The Outwaters I talked about briefly uh, on an earlier episode. This is the latest from Mr. Robbie Banfitch. It, uh, again, aesthetically... Uh, has a lot going for it Uh, It's a group of friends found footage style they go out in the mojave desert to uh make a music video pretty pretty solid premise and honestly i i greatly preferred the the slow burn opening chunk of this as we get some uh the unsettlingness seeps in but when it uh crosses the rubicon if you will fully into horror uh I just felt like it kind of it went off the rails, not in a good or fun way, uh, just kind of a, a baffling way. Uh, this one really didn't work for me. It's been a, it's been an interesting year for horror, a lot of a lot of big swings and a, a, a few minor messes. Uh, we're we're starting to turn the corner a little bit. You're getting a little bit more positive vibes from me. Kids versus Aliens, which you can now watch on Shutter, uh, and I almost even you know hesitated to include this one on the list because. It's, it's just shy of, you know, just barely qualifies as a feature. It's an hour and 15 minutes. This is kind of a blown-out short from, I believe it was VHS 2, and this is Jason Eisner, who some people may remember as the director of Hobo with a Shotgun. That was the short that was done uh, for the contest surrounding the release of Grindhouse, Planet Terror, and uh, Death Proof, and Rodriguez and Tarantino basically put out the call to aspiring filmmakers. If we like this trailer, you know, you'll get... You'll get a green light, essentially. You'll get a budget to, you know, build it into a feature. Of course, Rucker Hauer came along for the ride, and Hobo with Shotgun was totally enjoyable, fun, over-the-top, grindhousey y movie. Um, some people even preferred it to the actual grindhouse project itself. I don't know that I agree with them, but I also haven't seen the movie in quite a while. Um, anyways, so Eisner went on to uh, do a short for, I believe it's VHS 2, which kind of featured kids at a lake house uh, when an alien invasion happens. So this is a blown-out version of that short. Uh, we got some kids uh, who are aspiring filmmakers, nerds, etc. And they're, uh, the sister of one of the main nerdy kids is the lead actress in all of their movies, but she has a new boyfriend, she's a little bit older than them, and so this tension between, like, you know, oh, we thought you were cool, now you're just like all the other jocks and stuff, why do you want to be with that guy? That's kind of the tension of the movie before, inevitably, uh, aliens show up and start invading a, uh, a house party while the parents are out of town. Uh, it, was a de- it was a decently fun watch. Uh, not like a huge recommend, but a fun enough time. If you've seen that VHS short, you've kind of seen the best bits. I don't know that blowing it out really lended that much more to it. But, you know, you could do a lot worse on a uh, on a Dark night in October. And this one is firmly in the horror comedy category. Um, yes. So, Kids vs. Aliens. Maybe give it a shot. It's on Shudder now. So, if you have a Shudder subscription or if you have an AMC Plus subscription, it's just sitting there waiting for you. There you go. Alrighty. Uh, this movie kind of kicked off the summer season uh, with a bit of a whimper. It kind of sputtered out at the starting line. We could come up with... Uh, Plenty of other car-related metaphors, but I will not even bother. It's Fast X, people. Uh, Better than Nine? Not saying much. Not saying much. Uh, We talked about this briefly with Gavin on one of our most recent episodes. I think it was during our most recent Road to Reckoning, the final Road to Reckoning episode, because he has finally seen Fast X. We both were of similar minds. Better than Nine, but only by the skin of its teeth, and really only due to... the the incredible John Cena who they just let be peacemaker in this movie and Jason Momoa as arguably like maybe the best villain in the franchise because they just kind of let him cook for for a couple hours he definitely feels like he's in a different movie than everybody else but that's not really a complaint when the movie that everybody else is in is one that I'm not that interested in Uh, in fact that was kind of my biggest takeaway from all this is I was just like the core group the family that all this is supposed to be centered around, um, I'm kind of over it, which I guess is a good place to be in, considering we've only got a couple more of these left. But that's definitely not where they want their their fandom's headspace. And you, you guys know, we did a whole franchise review. Th- these have never been my movies. This is Gavin's franchise, and even he has soured on it quite a bit. So uh, X is available now for rental, and uh, I'm sure it will... Uh, shortly will be on peacock because that is a universal release so it'll be up there eventually check it out there get primed for fast x part 2 or x1 or what i i don't know what we're what we're calling this going forward and i don't particularly care which is not what they want to hear but that's where i'm at uh yeah watch it for cena watch it for momoa and uh maybe fast forward through the rest of it honestly there's not, <laughs> not much else going on uh, yeah, that was a theatrical one for me, but uh, I, you know, it's pretty much come and gone. Did not light the world on fire the way they had hoped it would. Another one that's kind of come and gone, but it did manage to it. It did okay. Uh, Rob Savage's The Boogeyman. There's a lot of hype around this one, uh, as there has been with any kind of recent Stephen King related projects. I'm not familiar with the source material of this one at all. I am a uh, a King neophyte. To a large degree I, I've read some But not You know Not that much And this one Felt kind of in line With uh, The Outsider The HBO show That was also based On one of his stories Recently In that it's uh, You know Taking an older concept That we're all kind of Familiar with But like I'm gonna put my own Lore twist on it So uh The Boogeyman Rob Savage Who is a director I like quite a bit Uh Did a movie called Host And a movie called Dash Cam Both of which were Uh written and directed and produced in the shadow of covid and uh are probably the two best pandemic horror movies that come to mind uh particularly host uh dash cam was a little bit more a little bit of a tough sell uh for most people but i think host is kind of unequivocally the best of the bunch that is available on amc plus i should mention and uh Yeah, that one was the, uh, the set, we talked about it quite a bit during quarantine, but that was the seance gone wrong over Zoom, uh, very good time, super effective, little thriller, uh, very well made. So, The Boogeyman, what has it got going for it? Now, what I did, like, uh, Sophie Thatcher, who a lot of people will know as Natalie, young Natalie, on Yellow Jackets, we're not here to talk about Yellow Jackets, but Jesus Christ, season two, um. What a what a nose dive. What a nosedive! But anyway, Sophie Thatcher, who's kind of one of the breakouts of Yellow Jackets and I think is quite good, uh, stars as Sadie Harper. Her younger sister is uh, having some some trouble. This is after the death of their mother. Uh, you know, are they seeing things? Are they not? Christmasina, the dad, doesn't really want to hear it. Uh, but of course, yeah, the boogeyman is real and there is something going on there. Uh, my biggest... It's it's not a poorly made film. Uh, I think it has some decent scares in it. It's pretty well executed. Solid, solid, not great. My biggest uh, gripe at the end of the day, and this is with a lot of horror movies. If if you're just gonna end up showing me a big CGI thing, just don't show it to me. Just hide it in the shadows a little bit longer, or really milk that, because as soon as as soon as you show me uh, a CGI creature, I am my level of anxiety or actual fear is immediately cut in half, if not more so. Uh, and yeah, it, so much so much else about the movie is very, very effective, but the fact that this creature is at the center of it really kind of bugged the shit out of me. Uh, but yeah, a good a good okay movie, uh, not great. Next up is one of the most maligned and uh, thoroughly discussed movies of the summer. It's The Flash uh, A movie I surprisingly did not hate As much as a lot of other people Um, It definitely has its drawbacks It's really hard to separate uh, And I know some people are probably going into this With like zero preconceived notions But for me, somebody who does stay on top of a lot of this stuff And is constantly looking for news And tends to be aware of what's going on With various celebrities and actors Who's been attached to stuff Who's in trouble, etc It's hard to separate the, the Ezra Miller of it all, from the performance uh, of Barry Allen, a, a character who maybe doesn't need all that baggage to come along with it. Uh, you obviously know all of the big uh, the big spoilers. They were all in the trailer. Uh, Michael Keaton's Batman is in this movie, and he's probably the best part of it. Uh, Sasha Cal as Supergirl uh, is totally underserviced and underutilized, and I'm sure at this point everybody has heard about the uh the multiverse uh, extravaganza that kind of ends the movie. Some people went for it. Some people did not. Uh, again, I, I think going into this with the most muted of expectations is kind of what uh, ultimately left me feeling like nah, it was all right. Uh, I've seen, I, I've definitely seen worse uh, DC movies and I, I've definitely seen some worse MCU movies. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know where we go from this point forward. Obviously, there's a huge shakeup at, the D- at DC, and everybody's kind of feeling their way out right now. Um, this was clearly, uh, from a marketing standpoint, a PR standpoint, just a complete and utter fucking debacle um, from the way it was handled, the discourse around it, uh, and, and you're, you're literally seeing it play out in the box office results. Uh, this movie did not do well. Uh, relative to what it needed to do and I I do think we're going to kind of just uh, it's so funny that this movie was hyped as one of the best superhero films of all time by the likes of Tom Cruise and James Gunn and I feel like now that it's come out we can all really see what it actually was which is just kind of serviceable um, half origin half multiverse story which I guess is just that's every superhero movie now uh, so yeah it it's, it's hard to separate the hype versus the actual end product. But I will say, if it had been devoid of all that, I think you'd probably be looking at one of the better DC movies uh, in, in the franchise. But as it stands, I think we all just kind of want to quietly just uh, just kind of forget about this one. So that's what we'll continue to do. We are starting to turn the corner now, people. We are in the, the sevens range. Number 20 on my list, Knock at the Cabin. This is the latest from Midnight Shyamalan. Talked about it a good bit on the pod. Just to refresh your memory, uh, this is based on a book. You will know kind of the rough premise from the trailer. Uh, Some folks show up and tell a family that they have to sacrifice one of their members or the apocalypse is going to happen. There's one reason to see this movie, which is uh, available on Peacock right now. And it's Dave Bautista who gives one of his best performances of his career. And that's pretty much where my praise begins and ends for this movie. Uh, I, I have my issues with the the current state of Shyamalan. I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here. I just wish the guy would get out of his own way a little bit. Have a little bit more self-confidence. The, the type of stuff that he now spells out for an audience or the type of things that he used to just let... Let exist, let breathe, and let you come to. And it's this kind of, this inherent lack of confidence that I think is really holding him back. Which is so funny because it's juxtaposed with like, this is the most creatively freeing period of his career. He's betting on himself, he's doubling down, he's paying for the budgets. And I respect that so much. But I want I, I want him to, to elevate beyond the last couple. Uh, the last great one for me was Glass. And I know that's uh probably sounds insane to a lot of people, but I think that movie's a masterpiece. I think it was made especially just for me and like ten other people. And so it's hard not to have a huge attachment to that. Uh, but yeah, old and knock at the cabin, uh movies that I, I like, but I just can't I can't fully get behind because I feel like they just they get in their own way. Duh, just get out of your own way, dude. Just get out of your own way. Am I? Okay. But I do recommend it, and it is available on Peacock. Check it out. Next up, Sisu, a movie I caught in the theater, and I actually need to see if it's available for all of you lovely people at home. Sisu came out a couple weeks ago, and it is a a buy only right now. Definitely want to hold out for a rental on this one. Uh, This is a World War II era revenge thriller slash old man action sort of thing, okay? And it is a finish from the creators of, uh, you may be familiar with a little movie called Rare Exports from about 10, 15 years ago. That was the what if Santa Claus, but like really Santa Claus, the old Claus. Uh, legend, yeah rare exports from 2020 director is Jomari Uh and the dude's got the dude's got a style um, and Sisu's a very a pretty interesting movie It's very odd that it is it's very short yet it has this uh, chapter episodic structure another movie that I feel like all of its marketing was just like hey do you want to see like the most badass Nazi killing? in a movie since and Glorious bastards here it is the actual action set I'm sorry coming off the back of movies like John Wick chapter 4 earlier this year um, it's just you know it just pales in comparison sisu has its moments um, i really enjoyed the score which is this almost like ramstein inspired very like guttural moody like verging on black metal it's a nice like juxtaposition with the you know the 40s setting but uh, yeah, you could do a lot worse. This is definitely a, a, a dad movie. Uh, you know, check it out with your pop. Maybe 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 you should have saved it for Father's Day. We're a little late to the party on this one, but uh, yeah. Wait for the rental. I don't think it's necessarily worth your twenty bucks. But uh, I had a good time with it in the theater. Maybe a little uh a little overhyped in terms of it is not this like go for broke action spectacular that you may be led to believe it has a lot more uh, a lot more breathing room to it. But good movie. Good movie. Sisu. Next up, uh, I believe, if I am not mistaken, the biggest movie of the year, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Talked about it a little bit. You may have seen our review go up. Saw this one with uh, my buddies Brendan Riley and uh, Ross Jensen, and they were a little more lukewarm on it. I think they they had their adult arms crossed, you know? They, uh, they they wanted to judge it for things like not having a plot or much of a story structure and I tried to kindly remind them it's a Super Mario Brothers movie so I, I wasn't expecting any of that from this film uh, it, del- it delivers on the fun factor uh, It you know cynically yes is it a giant advertisement for Mario as a product as a piece of IP for Nintendo and you know their gaming system at large uh, 100% and a very effective one because it just it made me want to buy a switch a man who has not played a Mario Brothers game in probably 15 years it, it immediately took me back to I I, I love these characters uh f- for me uh still doesn't hold a candle to the OG uh, which of course we did a retro review for you can just sc- scroll back up in the feed that is the all-time classic it will never be topped but if this is if this is kind of the prototype for like let's Let's have an animated universe of Nintendo characters. I thought the animation was, was top-notch. This is Illumination, obviously, you know, given Pixar a run for their money. They're kind of top dog at the moment, and uh, I, w- I was pleased with it. Some odd voice casting decisions, but, I you know, Chris Pratt being the big one that everybody was kind of worried about prior, and I would say within five minutes, I was like, oh, no, I see what he's doing, and it actually totally worked for me. So, uh, yeah. I had a fun time with it. All the kids we saw it with uh, were obviously having a fun time as well, which is always good to see. So, Super Mario Brothers movie. I, I mean, you've probably already seen it. I, I doubt you. This one has slipped past you. So, right after it. Okay, back to the theater. This one's recent. It hurts me a little bit to do it, but not that much. It's Indiana Jones on the Dial of Destiny. I'm sorry, guys. It's it for me better than Crystal Skull. Uh, an improvement, but. It's just, it's missing a little bit of that Spielberg magic. I would, I would say if we could have flip-flopped this, honestly, and let Spielberg direct this one and give Mangold the weird, uh, alien shit, maybe, I don't know, maybe we would have had a different result. Biggest thing, Harrison Ford comes to play. Phoebe Wallerbridge also a delight. Uh, just great to see her in something again. And, uh... Yeah, we'd hear, heard all sorts of mixed things coming out of Cannes. So I really, I didn't. I wanted to try and just put that all out of my mind and just like I just want to go and enjoy and have a fun time with Indy at the movies. And there are some things I bumped against uh, the runtime, the the de aging. Like, you know, I I have some issues. uh Maybe one too many villains. Maybe not not enough for kind of our coolest villain to do i don't know but i look forward to watching again i think it is a marked improvement over crystal skull and at least gives kind of a more satisfying end point for people who felt like we can't go out like this i say this as not a you know a die hard die hard jones fan. i grew up on them, but you're you're talking to somebody who thinks the temple of doom is the uh the best of the bunch and I can also fully acknowledge that, like people think that I'm insane for having that opinion, but I was a child when I saw it, and that was the one that was made for kids. So, there you go. Okay, uh, but yeah, Dial of Destiny. It sounds weird to say. Uh, you know, it did okay this weekend. I, I'm, I'm kind of half of the mind to tell you to just wait for Disney Plus. I, I and I am a defender of the theatrical experience, but. I don't know. There's a little too much CGI in this movie for me, honestly. And having rewatched Raiders, Last Crusade, and Temple of Doom all within the last couple months, you know, let's get tactile again. Can we do that? Can we can we bring a little bit of tactility back to the multiplexes, please? Okay. Number 15. We're still we're on you know we're on the fence. We're starting to try and... Just trying to get into the good stuff. But this one doesn't quite get there either. Master Gardener, uh, which I saw in the theater. This is the latest from Mr. Paul Schrader. This is the, theoretically, the conclusion of the Lonely Man trilogy, which began with First Reformed, uh, one of the best movies of the last couple years, followed by The Card Counter, a movie I liked quite a bit as well. And fortunately now we arrive to the... Uh, The kind of weak end point of said trilogy, this one stars Joel Edgerton, who is always compelling, as a uh, former neo-Nazi turned horticulturalist and gardener. He is a master gardener, and uh, it, uh, I don't know, as with a lot of Schrader movies, it deals with uh, elements of faith, masculinity, uh, the current state of the world, etc. And uh, it has a very bold uh, statement it wants to try to make that the essentially the gambit is uh, you know, what are what are the limits of forgiveness? You know so much of religion is centered around the idea of of redeeming yourself or the idea that there's no sin too great, etc. and, traders always been concerned with like okay but what are the what are the limits to that and i i see where he wanted to go with this film and he just goes there anyways he he stages and gets to the ending that he wanted to get to but for me personally he didn't do the legwork he does not earn this ending at all and it is a tough tough sell a very tough sell uh Again, incredible Edgerton performance uh, as he is in pretty much everything. Low-key, like, maybe the most underrated actor of his generation, possibly. Uh, <coughs> but yeah, a little sad to see kind of diminishing returns from this this endeavor, this kind of new... I, I feel like First Reformed was this, like, this thing that just, like, oozed out of him and came out so, like, completely fully formed. And Card Counter and Master Gardener feel like, Trying to recapture that magic As opposed to exploring it with more depth Uh, So yeah, left me a little wanting Master Gardener is Available now for rent And I would You know This is up to you uh, Movie I I would say if you don't have any prior Schrader knowledge And even if you haven't seen the two prior films I mentioned, uh, First Reformed And The Card Counter I I really think Master Gardener would be throwing you firmly in the deep end, so uh, you know maybe maybe just watch First Reformed instead. That's the movie I think that is the most essential of the bunch. So there we are. All right. we've 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 done it, people. Now we're into the eights. Now we're into movies that I consider good to great, and we're going to go all the way up to what I think is uh, a certifiable masterpiece. We'll get there in a bit. Okay. So we are now in the top 14 of the year. Number 14 for me, uh, which we have talked about a decent amount. This is as arthousey as arthouse horror can get. Uh, this is not for everyone in giant capital letters, not for everyone. This is available on Shudder, so if you have an AMC Plus subscription or a Shudder subscription, you can watch it for free right there. And if you've seen the trailer, I think you've got a pretty good idea of the vibes of the movie. The question is, are you down for an hour and 40 minutes of those vibes? Uh, if you're still on the fence and you kind of want to dip your toe in, I highly recommend Kyle Edward Ball's Heck, which is the short that kind of went on to inspire Ring*. That's available on YouTube. Uh, it's it's kind of a, um, like I said, it's like the first round test. uh, the endurance test, if you will, of like, okay, you can do 40 minutes of this? Do you think you can do an hour and 40 minutes of this? Uh, Completely non-traditional scares. Uh, Auditory jump scares? Uh, Nothing traditional about this movie whatsoever. Um, And that will either sound great to you or that will sound like a complete waste of your time. And this this is one of those movies that is just... um, it's, it's art, and as much as you, you're you going to take what you take from it, and some people are going to love it and it's really going to speak to them, and some people are going to think that it was beyond pretentious and, a, you know, just not worth it. So, I, again, I feel weird recommending this one to people, but if, uh, yeah, if an hour and 40-minute extremely slow-burn horror movie with no actual, like, visual scares sounds appealing to you, uh, then Skin of a Rink is the movie for you. Okay. Number 13, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Saw this one in the theater. We've talked about it with Brendan. Uh, I liked it. He was a little more lukewarm on it. I thought it was a good time. I'm in the bag for Soderbergh. It's hard for me to not be. This one is available on Max. I keep wanting to say HBO Max, but I can't say that anymore. So it's available on Max, and... I, I will say I did exactly what I expected to do. I re-watched uh, the three or four set piece dance sequences from this movie and kind of skipped everything else, which, uh, yeah, I still I still think the finale dance sequence in here is one of the best of the franchise and just one of the best dance sequences I've seen in a movie in quite a while. So yeah, Number 12, uh, The Integrity of Joseph Chambers. This is available on VOD. This is... The second feature from a gentleman whose name escapes me that I'm looking up right now Who made a movie called The Killing of Two Lovers from two years ago Which I thoroughly enjoyed Uh, It was in my top five that year And so this was a very nice surprise when it just kind of popped up out of nowhere Every once in a while I check in on uh, different directors Excuse me, his name is Robert Michonne And I'm probably butchering that But uh, this one uh, as with Killing of Two Lovers, stars Clayne Crawford in a completely different mode uh, than that film. And uh, Jordana Brewster also co stars in a small role. But it is pretty much a one man show of Clayne Crawford as uh, the titular Joseph Chambers, who goes out into the woods uh, in hopes of, you know, becoming a man. Uh, he's got some kind of self imposed. Uh, issues with his own masculinity where he doesn't feel like he fits in with the, uh, the more country, uh, you know, strong, burly hunting man type that he's surrounded by. So he decides I'm going to go out hunting on my own and kind of, you know, make my mark on the land and things do not go as planned. Uh, I thought it was a, uh, a very, very good film. Uh, Robert Michonne's just, a re- you know, doing these really low-key naturalistic movies that um, they just really speak to me and they stick with me a lot. Uh, Killing of Two Lovers was a complete knockout. Joseph Chambers, I, you know, didn't fully get me there, but I think it has a lot of really interesting, deep, rich themes. Uh, so this is one I would love to be able to talk about a little bit more, but I feel like not a lot of people have seen it. It is available for rent. Through uh, all your normal VOD services. That one goes for $5 right now, and I highly recommend it. Uh, check out the trailer, it'll give you a nice, nice vibe of what's going on there. Okay, moving right along. We are almost done with this, people. Thank you for anybody who is still listening. Number 11, Scream 6. It's on Paramount Plus now. By default, it's the least of the franchise, and that's only because it doesn't have Nev Campbell in it but you know what, I'm in the bag for these movies, I had a fun time with it, it's got some great set pieces, and uh, for fans of Scream 2, um, you know, as the trend continues, if Scream 5 was kind of a a rehash or a loving homage to 1, uh, 6 continues that with being a loving homage to 2, which is my favorite of the franchise, so uh, this one just played very, very well for me, Uh, but yeah. That's on Paramount Plus. You can watch it right now, and of course, we're getting another one. Can't wait. Number ten. We are into the top ten. We'll see. I'm very curious how many of these will remain in the top ten by the end of the year because we have quite a quite a list ahead of us. So we're going to try and run down this very very quickly. I'm not going to indulge on the ones that we've already kind of talked about. Number ten. Creed three. Uh, again, Michael B. Jordan did the one thing you need to do. He elevated those action sequences. I have seen so many boxing scenes and so many Rocky and Creed films at this point. You gotta do something new. And he did it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. And it's a very, very good sports movie. Following that, Air, which is also available on Amazon Prime. Um, I forgot how much I like seeing movie stars with a good script talk to each other. Um, and that's what this movie is for, for two hours. Um i heard some veiled complaints of like oh it's just a bunch of like ip propaganda in a different way and like we're allowed to feel good about it because it's you know it's an adult drama slash comedy so we don't feel as weird about it as we do say a superhero movie but it's basically the same thing it's a big ad for michael jordan and the nike brand and blah 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 and i don't care um because it's again it's an effective one it's well made super well acted uh damon anchors the shit out of this. great great scenes with Chris Messina, with jason bateman you know the magic between him and Affleck I would just watch those scenes over and over again and uh, the scene stealer and uh, kind of the whole reason the movie even begins to work as well as it does the incomparable Viola Davis as Michael Jordan's mother and uh, she's great if you haven't watched air already what are you doing it's on Amazon Prime and it's a great time This next one, number eight on my list, came down a little ways. For a while, it was uh, in the top three, but I've seen a good bit of stuff recently. And I actually rewatched this movie as well. Still very much like it uh, quite a bit, but uh, it it, it diminished just slightly for me. And that is Infinity Pool from Mr. Brandon Cronenberg. This is available on Hulu right now. This is the R-rated version. I believe we are getting the unrated director's cut in some capacity at some point in the future. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how much more that's going to add to the narrative, but this is, uh, Alexander Skarsgård and my new favorite actress, Mia Goth. Skarsgård, Skarsgård, scarsgard <clears throat> plays a, uh, struggling writer, uh, writer's block for several years. He is married to, uh, uh a wealthy woman played by Cleopatra Coleman, and they are on vacation in a, uh, a fictional unnamed uh, country, and they meet some other uh, vacationers while they're there uh, and uh, get into some trouble and then subsequently find out the secret to uh, this society, which is that uh, basically if you're rich, you can come there and do whatever you want because they have a very, uh, very interesting way of dealing with things. If you don't want to deal with their ar- rather archaic laws, most of which put you to death for very minor infractions, well, if you have enough money, you can have a double made of yourself, a clone that has all of your memories and is exactly like you in every way, shape, and form and knows that they're guilty of the thing that they did. But you can have them created and have them killed in your stead so that you can keep living your, you know, shitty existence. Uh, that's the core plot. They shut this up from the trailer for you. The theme should be rather obvious, uh, but I think as soon as you hear clones, you've got a very, you're like, all right, it could go here, it could go there. And the thing I love about this movie uh, is Brandon Kernberg just very quickly tells you, like, no, I'm not interested in that. Like, all the obvious things you think I'm trying to say with uh, a sci fi concept where clones exist, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not saying any of what you, I'm not saying any of the obvious things. Dig a little deeper here. Uh, It's a gorgeous movie. It's not for everybody. Incredibly unsettling. A lot of imagery you will not soon forget. You'll know from the trailer if this one is your vibe or not. Uh, Not for the faint of heart, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Yeah, still really played for me. Maybe Diminishes a little bit at home. I did see this one in the theater, uh, so I was very hot on it initially. Um, Yeah, his movies are a lot, and... uh... (laughs) You know, not easy to shake off, but I I thoroughly enjoyed Infinity Pool, and currently it's my number eight of the year. You can watch that once again on Hulu. Uh, The newest addition to the list, I watched this last night on July 4th. uh, Showing up, the latest from Kelly Reichert, uh, which was pushed and pushed and pushed. It was supposed to come to our local indie theater here, and they never quite got it. Don't know what happened there. Uh, this stars, as you would expect, uh, the lovely and talented Michelle Williams, Hong Chau, uh, James LeGros, Andre Three Thousand, or Andre Benjamin, um, Judd Hirsch, a uh, couple other people who escape me at the moment. Um, it's set in an arts college uh, in Oregon, and it's just—it's a very low-key movie, as are most Kelly Record projects—about uh, artists and working within a creative community. Uh, why people make art, uh, the struggles of of doing that, staying committed to your work when life seemingly gets in the way, um, and yeah, an- one that I think might be too low-key for some people, and especially, this is another one, weirdly, I'm like, if you haven't seen a lot of Kelly Reichert movies, I would... Recommend maybe checking something else out before you jump into this one because I don't know that it's the greatest intro. But uh, she, of course, did Wendy and Lucy, also with Michelle Williams and Meek's Cutoff. Those are excellent films. But uh, if you want something a little bit, you know, a little more enticing, there's Night Moves with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Peter Sarsgaard, which has a lot in common with another movie I'll talk about in just a few. Uh, and then my personal favorite of Reichert's is uh, First Cow. From a couple years ago, it came out right in the middle of the pandemic, kind of sadly forgotten, uh, but an incredible. Movie that also stars John McGarro, one of the people I forgot to mention to here. Only bring him up because he is in uh, the best movie of the year. So uh, yeah, showing up again, one that I think some people might look at and just see as very slight, but it's uh, it's one of those movies that is paced and told the way it is because it wants you to be thinking about it as it's happening it's not this like let's shove a bunch of your brain and then reflect it's literally the movie invites you to reflect on it as it's playing out um and it really really worked for me but uh i you know i'm not going to oversell this one to you it is uh newly available for rent you can get this one for four dollars okay number six john wick chapter four saw this one in the theater Uh, absolutely loved it. A fitting end, if it is in fact the end to the John Wick franchise. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I loved it. It's now available for rent, and it will, uh, I think it's already made its way to Blu ray, so I gotta add that one to the collection. Number five on my list How to Blow Up a Pipeline. This is another neon release, and this was the one that was tangentially related to Night Moves, which I just mentioned, but, uh, how to blow up a pipeline as the title might suggest is a uh, it's about uh eco-terrorist or environmental activist. However, you want to look at it and it is uh, as advertised, it is uh based on a non-fiction book uh, and I've, I honestly I haven't seen anything quite like it in a while. It's uh it takes a lot of very interesting kind of, you know, hot button issues, takes a very hardline stance on them and then on top of all that Does it all within a very entertaining high uh, story uh, That Knows the tropes of the genre And uses them very effectively But never feels cliched uh, And just feels very lived in And just You know The fusion of uh, Something to say In this type of a movie Is I, I think Very very compelling Uh, I don't want to say too much more about it. It's been, I think, unfairly kind of uh, too politicized uh, to the point where I felt like it was almost kept from the theaters down here. I don't know if that's uh, something else that people have run into. Very curious if you, uh, for instance, like me, uh, our local theater was going to be carrying it, and then unceremoniously it just disappeared from the slate, and then it was only ever playing at the Regal Cinema, which is about 45 minutes away from me And only playing in daytime showings During the week So I don't know who was supposed to go see it While it was playing Still very odd to me uh, How to Blow a Pipeline, my number 5 It's available on VOD, highly recommend it Also available on VOD, Blackberry uh, Absolute knockout, loved it uh, This is the latest from Matt Johnson He did The Dirties, he did Operation Avalanche He is one of my favorite Canadian filmmakers working today and he stars in this along with jay baruchel and the incomparable glenn howerton who's having quite a moment uh this is his movie this is a showcase but it's uh it's the story of blackberry and so i've been describing it to people that i need to sell it to very efficiently as uh canadian succession meets the social network um it has the kind of aesthetics of those two properties also with the uh some of the formal techniques of uh, of social network but also the more thematic interest of like trying to trying to tell a broader story by looking at this very specific set of, of circumstances um i thought it was a delight i just i i really enjoyed it it's it's the kind of stuff i get off on every once in a while which is just just give me a good script and give actors you know put them in rooms and let them let them yell at each other i'm i'm totally down for that Uh, so yeah Blackberry if you haven't seen it if you thought you were going to avoid it don't uh, make time for this one very very good movie I guess the parallel this year is air air is uh, I would say more surface level fun Blackberry I think is a better movie Um, but both excellent Uh, number three we're in the top three Uh, fairly recent edition as well Asteroid City for Mr. Wes Anderson Uh, this one's been very interesting to the degree that it has been divisive within the fandom I've talked to some people who have been there from the get go who were completely underwhelmed by this one and don't get why people were so in love with it and then you have people like myself who uh, think that it's his best work since uh, Grand Budapest Hotel and uh, really the first one that's doing something uh, whereas Isle of Dogs and French Dispatch felt you know, a little bit, like, a little disposable, which sounds like a mean thing to say about uh, films that he clearly put so much artistic effort and thought into, but they didn't feel like they had too much meat on the bones. Uh, Asteroid City, by, by contrast, I think has a lot of meat on the bone. I think that's maybe part of the issue. Uh, once again, he goes for kind of this Russian nesting doll structure. I don't want to ruin it, but I, I know that took some people out of it, whereas I... I think that's very very purposeful I think to quote the bard uh, The play is the thing So there's a theatrical conceit in this movie I don't want to really spoil how all of that works Not that it's a huge spoiler But I think that's integral To what the movie is about And what it's trying to do Not a detriment And it doesn't get in the way of it But uh, I don't know that that necessarily clicked immediately It was something I kind of ruminated on and it's definitely one that stuck with me more and more uh, Hands down maybe his most visually just sumptuous uh just want to live in every frame of this uh absolutely you know star-studded cast as to be expected but uh Schwartzman getting kind of like back into the center of the frame if you will uh was very very nice to see and then scarlett johansson who i had to kind of remind myself i was like maybe she's done a voice but i she's never been here but she just fits in perfectly which is kind of uh the mark of him as a director, which is anytime these new people get to join the club, like Tom Hanks in this movie, for instance, or Leif Leif Schreiber, I think is also new this time around. Um, Steve Carell, nobody feels out of place. Nobody feels like, oh, hey, there's that person. Everybody comes to play Wes's game. Uh, This one's still playing in theaters and doing quite well, uh, considering its budget and its size. Uh, Make time for it. If you are a Wes Anderson fan, if you are not, this is not going to convert anybody. Uh, very, you know, it it's 100% him. But I, I was encouraged, I, I think this is maybe due, I'm, I'm not a TikTok person, so I don't know how all of this has come about, but I know he's a thing on TikTok now. And I was shocked that when I went in for my opening night sh- screening and I bought advanced tickets, there was, you know, there was only three seats that had been taken thus far. And then I get there and we we're talking a packed house. Mostly of younger people, and I can only attribute that to the viral nature of you know his aesthetic being all over social media. so maybe that's positive, but I don't know if those people walked away uh, satisfied by the movie uh, I really I really don't know. so I look forward to talking about this one uh, with with my friends as they see it. A few people are still catching up on it, but for me, uh, one of his best in recent memory, uh but you know be aware some people have been a little colder on it so number two not gonna waste too much time we've talked about it a good bit and i still have not had anybody to go fully in depth which you kind of need for a three-hour nightmare comedy my number two favorite of the year is *Bo is afraid which is now available to rent and buy on vod and will be making its blu-ray debut on the 11th of july if i'm not mistaken uh it's the latest from Ari Aster it is not what a lot of people I think wanted except for me and a couple of my friends um, I, I thought it was phenomenal uh, I can't say too much more about it other than to say that uh, I think you should see it and make time for it. it it may be a little bit of an easier sell now that it's at home and you can take those three hours and deal with them how you will but uh, I highly recommend just going for the full ride don't take any breaks and uh, you know See if your brain's still intact by the time you get to the end of it. And email me about it, the at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you. Okay, we are... I cannot believe I went for 50 minutes. This was supposed to be like a 20-minute cast. I just can't help myself, people. We're going to be very brief. My number one favorite film of the year of 2023 at the moment, as of this recording, on Wednesday, July the 5th, is Past Lives. I saw this the same day as Indiana Jones and the Tile of Destiny, practically back-to-back with a little 30-minute window in between. Uh, could not think of two more polar opposite movies and two two odder movies to, uh, to pair as a double feature, but such is life. Past Lives is the debut from Celine Song, who is the writer and director of the film. This is a very personal story. Uh, about two young Korean children who are separated through circumstances uh, when they're around uh, 12. They reconnect about 12 years later uh, through the magic of social media after one of them, uh, Nora, uh, that's her Americanized name, played by the incredible Greta Lee, who a lot of people recognize. She's just, she's been killing it for years. Uh, She's finally, you know, finally getting her just desserts. Uh, so Nora and Sung are are separated at age 12. They reconnect after Nora has immigrated to Canada and then eventually the U.S. Um, meanwhile, Haesung stayed in Korea uh, for military service, among other things. I, I don't want to go into too many details of the plot. They reconnect uh, about 12 years later and then some more time goes by. And uh, it's it's a movie about those those what if moments those should i have gone with that person should i have told that person how i felt should i have done this should i have done that and and reckoning with it and trying to find a way to you know how do you move forward in your life if you can't quite put to bed this nagging uh, thing of but you know but what if what if what if i had done this choice or if i had only done this things would have been so much different and with the stories we tell ourselves and all all sorts of things it's uh an achingly beautiful movie so understated so uh rich and lived in and it is it's one of the ultimate form and content movies uh the the way the story is told reflects the story it's telling and i i know that's not like the greatest selling point for for some people but that that at the end of the day, that's like a lot of times what I go to the movies for. These, oh, it, I, it's it's literally a movie. If I think about it too much, I start to get emotional. Um, and I I have, I have no friends that have seen it yet, so I've not been able to to talk about it afterwards. And it is definitely a movie that you you want to talk about afterwards. Uh, I, I think it's unquestionably incredibly well made and well acted. I think people will debate, people will have issues with this and and they're going to be debating because this, this will be nominated for Best Picture, this will be up there and we'll, we'll have to go through the whole months and months of discourse of like, oh is it actually good or let's rethink this, etc um, this movie was beyond overhyped before I had even seen it and it completely delivered so I feel fairly comfortable telling you that um, believe the hype, if you have any interest in seeing past lives, do it It's, uh, it has expanded out pretty much everywhere now, um, and it's, uh, the most emotionally rich and memorable time I've had, uh, at the theater in 2023, and I can't wait to see it again, uh, just an absolute, you know, just a fucking gorgeous, gorgeous romantic movie that is, uh, just, just about perfect, uh, I loved it. Past Lives is, uh, is out now in theaters. I would encourage anyone and everyone to go see it because we'll be talking about it for uh, another couple months. I can promise you that. Okay, so we did it. That was a lot of movies. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. I'm going to run through it very quickly. This is 27 movies for 27 weeks. Here we go. At the bottom, number 27, 65, number 26, Cocaine Bear, number 25, Ein's Men, number 24, The Outwaters, number 23, Kids vs. Aliens, number 22, Fast X, number 21, The Boogeyman, number 20, The Flash, number 19, Knock at the Cabin, number 18, Sisu, number 17, The Super Mario Brothers Movie, number 16, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, number 15, Master Gardener, Number 14, Skinnamarink. Number 13, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Number 12, The Integrity of Joseph Chambers. Number 11, Scream 6. Alrighty, and now we are in to the top 10. Creed 3 at the 10 spot. Number 9, Air. Number 8, Infinity Pool. Number 7, Showing Up. Number 6, John Wick Chapter 4. Number 5, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Number 4, Blackberry. Number three, Asteroid City. Number two, Bo is Afraid. And once again, my favorite film of 2023. So far, Past Lives. Thank you so much for sticking with me, guys. Uh, Next week, it's a big one. Uh, Dead Reckoning, part one, finally drops. Don't know when you're getting the episode? We are going to try to see it as early as humanly possible, which I believe is Tuesday night. We may be able to squeeze in the recording. We may delay from our Wednesday drop date. I, I'm not sure. We're still ironing out all the details. Rest assured, I will be laying my eyes on that film as soon as I possibly can. I it is my most anticipated of the summer. Uh, there's a few things I'm also very excited for, but that's that's the one. And then of course on the horizon, we got the uh, the big you know the big two movie cast that everybody's going to be doing this year. Barbie and Oppenheimer drop the same day. But don't forget, you need to see both of those the same weekend because the following weekend, the movie that I don't want anybody to forget about, is Talk to Me. Okay? The new A24 horror film that I've heard nothing but incredible things about. Every time I see the trailer, I get super hyped. Uh, But yes, so that's the the fourth that I alluded to earlier. We have Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Dropping next week, we have Barbie and Oppenheimer the week after, and then the week following that, Talk to Me. Very excited for all of those. Very excited to hear what you guys think of them as well. Um, if you have your current favorites of the year, I would love to know what they are. Uh, please let us know, E at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Instagram at Network. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it. Uh, I have nowhere else to tease this, so I will do it right now mentioned this on our recent cast with mr nathan stevens again nate thank you for uh joining me for that episode on oblivion access and some of the uh, best albums of 2023 but i mentioned the uh summer of synthwave is about to be upon us in just two days july 7th you can hear part one uh of the space driver saga that is a series of synthwave eps that i will be dropping uh throughout the summer and then you'll get the uh the big magnum opus on September first. So keep an eye out for that. Or an ear rather. I perform under the name Narc, lowercase and capital A R K. Go follow me on your preferred uh music listening service. Okay. I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. Uh thank you to everyone for bearing with me. This is always incredibly awkward when you do a solo pod. And you have nothing but your cats to talk to. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Miss Phoebe for uh, hanging out and keeping me company. And uh, next time, hopefully, you will not just be hearing my voice, but I will be rejoined by uh, my lovely brother. And we will talk Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Until then, I've been Noah, and this has been the Arcade Podcast. Thanks for listening.